0: This one, FT Live, Ron Kratz, Adam Jones soon, Jace oh, yes. Tingler soon, bench coach for the Minnesota Twins moving on, can't wait, and Tim Kirkjian, who just called a little playoff action for ESPN will join us, and Ryan Yarborough of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who's also, by the way, suddenly a stud, but yeah. we'll get into that. I he mean, was a
1: stud before, ill-used, but we talked about that one time he was on. But You're right,
0: you're right. It's a good call. Dodger fans love him. Instantly falling in love with uh, Mr. Yarborough. Now, I will say before we um get into Sweep City, Kyle Riley was supposed to join us today. He will not. Delay of game, uh what, maybe 20-day penalty, and then we'll bring him on. Yeah, he'll get he'll come back on.
1: It was he he called me last night, we talked it out and all the stuff that's come out. In no way does he want to look like he's piling on or anything. He just wants to make sure like he has time to talk to his teammates and everything. And we've had this scheduled to come on. We were trying to get him on last week, kind of had a busy week with the end of the season. So we pushed it to this week and, you know, just, it didn't happen, but Cal's not, you know, he's, he's the man. And, And anytime you can get a starting catcher on a team that was, went down to the wire trying to make the playoffs on to talk about it. We we got to have him and this guy he's he's smart, he's thoughtful and so he just won't come on quite yet.
0: So stay tuned on that front. Oh, where in the world is Mr. Adam Jones? Uh-oh. He's a little bit frozen, so. He's a little we'll get frozen. He's got a nice ceiling there though. Yeah. Is, this that, is, is that good, good though. It's like a good preview that. Simply AJ will be joining us soon, getting himself a little locked in right now.
2: Bro, the, don't, the, the wireless at these hotels are just absolutely trash. I need, to get, I need to get hooked up with a company and just have a portable wireless that tacks into a satellite and shoots down to my phone. And Elon Musk, I'm calling you, brother. Done. Done. We <laughs> need to do something like that, man. It's hard Wh- to find. Collab. And I'm in Milwaukee, too. <laughs> I ain't no love. I'm in Milwaukee.
0: Are you at the Pfister?
2: Thank God I'm not. No, I'm at the Hilton.
0: Okay, better, I'd come on. I'd rather
2: be at the Fister. I'd rather have ghosts uh, than bad internet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got ghost Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> That's the quote of the day right there. Ghosts over bad Wi-Fi, which I think many people would agree with. So let's charge the damn mounds. I'm so excited, Jonesy, today for all of the Game 3s. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Which, which oh. Game 3 are you most excited to see tonight?
2: Oh, man. You know, I was really rooting for the Brewers and uh, the D-backs tonight. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> Texas on a plane, they, they're they in L.A. right now, chilling. The, the the Twins, they took care of business. Uh, the Phillies, they were they were definitely a, a massive favorite. The Marlins had a great year, a little bit overmatched in that scenario. And then, um, uh, who was the fourth one? i will see Texas going down there and stomping a mud hole in Tampa. And that's kind of going to be scary because their offense is hot. And – That's not a good thing.
0: Is there anything, Kratz, to seven of the eight wildcard series the last two years being sweeps? We only had one game three last year, which was Mets-Padres. Like, I don't know. Is there some formatting issue or it's just luck of the draw and we'll maybe next year get four game threes?
1: Yeah, I think it's luck of the draw. I think think teams getting used to the three-game series, figuring out, like, how to not panic after losing game one. We haven't had... We haven't had a ton of comebacks after you know, game one winner ends up getting it done. You know, I think it kind of what we're going to get into later, talking about how we use our bullpen in these series. So I think that could attribute to it. But now I love it. I love I, I think they were all great games, except for the Rangers Rays one yesterday. That, that one kind of got out of hand and the Phillies got out of hand. But like Jonesy said, those are two hot offenses that people need to worry about.
0: And, you know, unfortunately, there was a team that went down of the ones that we are talking about that the Mr. Kratz had gone a long way. So we'll get to that. Let's get into this um, a little That's What He Said action because Jose Barrios gets removed way too freaking early from a game that the Blue Jays needed to win. And also it's a marathon. So you can't just use your bullpen every day or you say Kikuchi at a weird spot, but Three innings, shutout ball, and according to some people that watch Jose Barrios every single day, like the writers, they were like, this is the best we've ever seen him for three innings. And then he gets removed after 47 pitches. So first off, let's run through some reaction because obviously the Blue Jays lose. That was the entire freaking game right there. They take him out, and Kikuchi lets up two runs when he comes in. So first off, our buddy Whit Merrifield, who keeps it real after the game, said – Quote, I hated it. Frankly, it's not what cost us the game, but it's the kind of baseball decisions that are taking away from managers and baseball at this stage of the game. Uh, Vladdy Jr., it's not our decision. We were surprised. Jose Barrios, honestly, I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> um, and a little more from Vladdy Jr., quote, obviously, everybody was surprised. Everyone was surprised with the decision, but there are things you cannot control. You can ask yourself many times, but it's not our decision. We were surprised. And lastly, let's get some thoughts from Toronto Blue Jays manager, John Schneider, who I'm just gonna throw this out there because most managers get a script, probably was told what to do, but maybe you guys can help me out a little bit more with this. Let's get Schneid's post game.
1: Yeah, we had a few different plans in place. Hosey um, was aware of it. Uh, he had electric stuff, you know, um, Tough to take them out, you know. I think with the way that they're constructed, you want to utilize your whole roster, uh, and it didn't work out. You know, I think you you can look at it broadly and say it didn't work out because they scored two runs when we did make a change. Um, you can also look at the fact that it didn't work out and we didn't take advantage of of uh, at bats we have with runners in scoring position. So, so, you can sit here and you know, second guess me, second guess the organization, second guess anybody. Um, I get that. You know, I get that, and it's uh, it's tough, and uh, it didn't work out for us today or yesterday. But, you know, that's baseball sometimes. There's 29 teams that are going to say the same thing when the season's over. Um, but, yeah, it's a tough way to end the year. Super real. Super real right there by Schneids. Like, he's he's not ducking it. He's not trying to – to me, I think he's – You know, he's putting himself, he's running himself over with the bus. But I want to really ask Tingler this when he comes on, because he was a manager. He was, you know, he was a big league manager recently with this, as people say, the, quote, new era of baseball. It's not a new era of baseball. I truly believe that the game plan that they put out there, that they thought about, that I texted Schneider about coming on this show, you know, the day before they started the playoffs. And he's like, dude, I would love to. The meetings are all day long. So those meetings are not because, man, I wonder how we can screw this up. No, they wanted to win. And that's the same new era, old era. They wanted to win these games. I just think the game plan was flawed because there is a looking glass type of way of looking at it. And there is a actual, we're in the mud. We're doing this right now. Not in the mud like Jerry Depoto said, but... We're in the mud. We're fighting this out. Holy cow. Jose is dealing right now. He has 8 swing and misses on 25 of his sw- of their swings of the Twins 25 swings. 8 swing and misses. That is incredible through 47 pitches. That's a great game on 100 pitches. You got to let it, you got to let it ride, but you got to let your manager be able to let it ride. And teams also have that intermediary in the dugout that's like, oh, well, I'm the help, helpful analytic guy that's also helping you on the field. Everybody needs to be together in the situation, but also understand that you got to give your manager more leeway in that situation. And Schneid's most likely is going to stay late in front of the bus because there's nobody else that he can, that he can throw under the bus because all those guys are protected by the shield of not having to be in the limelight of being the
0: manager. Should a front office person, like say Ross Atkins, come out and say, Hey, I just want to point to our front office working on a script together and highly advising that this was the game plan. And please don't put this all on the manager. Because I think most fans still look at the game and go, Oh, John Schneider feel.com. What are you doing, dude?
1: I can tell you he has feel. I know he has feel. And Tingler's going to say the same thing because we're all buddies when we play together. Like there, there's, there's, a, there's a piece of it that people would say, okay, Ross Atkins comes on. Are we, just bringing, are we just bringing more people on that make the most amount of money? Like when? how many people are in that room making that decision? Let's let everybody talk about it. And ultimately, if your organization doesn't let the manager make the final say, then yes, everybody needs to come on. But if that manager's making the final say and you give him that leeway, no matter who the manager is, then you have then yes, it's the manager's fault. But that those meetings need to be if I'm the manager, I need to say, "Okay guys, I see what you're saying." but I also see what's going on in the game. And I know 100% that Schneids knows what's going on in the game and knew what he saw there, but he had his hand. He was – right here was the the bullpen button, and he had his hand right over top of it because if it didn't happen on the 47th pitch, it was going to happen on the 30th pitch. He already had Cabrera ready.
0: Yeah, you know, my big problem within our sport right now – is that for too long there are too many decision makers that are treating this like a simulation and not like real life and that has to do with certain game situations of course we can look back at the famous kevin cash removal of blake snell and same thing as if kevin cash was the only one making that decision come on and we just covered the hot topic in the sport from a front office perspective on jerry depoto and the mariners that press conference sounded like a damn simulation, 54% doing you a favor. And it got a ton of pub because that's just not real life. That's like a Wall Street simulation, but this is baseball. Um, I encourage people to check out a friend of the show, Evan Drellick's article in The Athletic, because he just completely, like shortly too, it was not a long article, just shortly lays out that this is not a damn video game. This is real life. Let's treat it that way. It's, it's crazy. So anyway, let's bring in our... Um, first guest of the day on FT Live. Kratz, you want to intro your boy? This
1: is the 2004 Florida State League All-Star center fielder, <laughs> Jace Tingler. Kratz, All right. thank you. <laughs> and, Dude. The second, and the second handsome baldest man on, <laughs> on this show.
0: Uh, and um, the right hand right now with Rocco Baldelli and a great, great twin series, little sweep city. Obviously, we were going over the Toronto side, but first off, Jace, let's get into what the last few days have been like for the ball club. And of course, you know, the big topic, especially for like the local news when they're not, you know, locked in on baseball is like, we got rid of these streaks and now we can just play ball. And at least, I know the players weren't alive for for a lot of this stuff or weren't paying attention to it, but at least they don't have to get asked the questions now in the clubhouse, and that's kind of nice. I think
3: that's spot on. I think to answer the question, how's it been the last couple days, um, it's been wild. Like, A, really since the start of the second half, our our group has played extremely well. We've had some young guys come up, you know, whether it's Julian and Royce and Walner and – you know, our veterans are coming together. So for the second half, uh, we've started to score runs. We've pitched it well all year. And uh, now we're playing, you know, what I think is really good baseball. And I think the, the best thing about it, yes, the, the streak has snapped. Um, but it's really unbelievable to see just kind of a city come together. Um, Target Field was rocking. Uh, you could feel the energy in the entire stadium out around the stadium walking after the game. And so uh, anytime a city kind of just connects uh, with the team, um, it's a really fun atmosphere and we just want to keep it rolling.
1: Can you believe that they haven't won a playoff game in that city since we were in high A? Like that's like, think back to high A, like how does this stadium, how did it feel as you guys were, you know, culminating these wins?
3: Well, a lot of our young players um, have certainly been asked the question throughout the year. So everyone was aware. Um, I think the best way to answer that is I look at the um, the organization and the men and women that have worked here for 20 plus years. And even after the first game, um, you saw almost some, you know, tears of joy and just what a relief it was. And You know, we're kind of sitting in there in the coaching room, and it's like, hey, we got one more, we got one more. But you could just see – I don't want to call it pain uh, of the last 20 years, but you could see a sense of joy for the people um, that had been here for a long time, and that feels really good.
1: You mentioned it right there about the second half. You guys kind of started coming together. I think it was Max Kepler had come out, and he was like, I don't really know what's going on. But since the (laughs) second half, he was like – we're really kind of meshing. And he was like, it's not, it's not like we had clubhouse dysfunction. Can you put your finger on what he's talking about?
3: No, um, I, I don't think uh, it, it's really one thing. I think um, if I was to sum it up, A, our pitching has been excellent all year. So let me start with that. Um, number two, we've got a young group, whether that's uh, Kirloff at first base, Julian, Royce, I'm going to throw Jefferson in. Behind the plate at 25 years old. Um, and I also want to say the, the men that we acquired, that the front office and the organization acquired uh, during the offseason of veteran players and presence, whether that's Vasquez, whether that's Michael T- Taylor, Solano, uh, Farmer, these guys have been tremendous. And so I think as the years gone, um, we've just gotten to know each other better and uh, we've done things all year long. We have uh, platooned and done pinch hitting. So I think once the guys kind of finally found their sweet spot and role, uh, when they're going to be hitting, what to start to look for, I think everybody naturally got comfortable, and that would be my best explanation of things just kind of coming together.
1: So you're just winning. That's what you're saying. You guys are just winning more games than you're losing. That helps. That helps. So are you happy that you're missing your extra day of BP right now and doing the <laughs> show? You're, you're not out there. And are they, let me point to it right over here. Are those champagne bottles behind you there? Are those little mementos?
3: So I literally snuck out of our workout and I snuck back to one of our clubby's office space. So I cannot tell you what Big Frank has back here, uh, but it's a great setup. <laughs>
1: And some Wheaties. I see some Wheaties back there, but anyway, we we we, dig, we digress a little bit. How much does Royce be needing to jog and having the hamstring? Does that, not to use a pun, but does that hamstring you guys? Or do you guys feel like that's okay? Like he can just, he just needs to jog down the line and give, give what he gives and he's going to hit some dingers for you.
3: The latter part. Um, we are just pumped to have him back in our lineup. And so Rocco has sat down with him. Everybody's explained it to him. He's a ball of energy and said, look, um, it's more important you for you to stay in the lineup than it is you know, to go sprinting down the uh, line, trying to go 100% and possibly uh, re-aggravate uh, the hamstring. So um, that's going to be the challenging part uh, for Royce going forward. And I think the big thing is about winning. Uh, we get today off tomorrow off and so each day um Royce is getting healthier and healthier and 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 that's a good thing
0: hey Jace let's go over yesterday just to get your perspective when you did see Jose Barrios um firing on all cylinders those first few innings and then taken out what were your thoughts first off on how his stuff looked and then what were guys saying in the dugout and what was going through your brain? Did you guys anticipate? Cause I know everybody has like this perfect game plan of, Hey, if everything goes the way we want, this is what it is. Were you guys like, Whoa, we got shut out for three innings with really good stuff. And now he's taken out.
3: No, we weren't shocked at all. We were prepared for honestly four or five different scenarios. And so before the game, maybe three hours before the game, we sat down uh, with some of our team and analytics team and coaches and, uh, said, hey, what? What are the likely scenarios? What's this going to look like? Obviously, they have to win uh, to to survive. So we went through four or five uh, options, and so I felt like we were prepared. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you're watching the game, and and we've got the, the the screen on in the bullpen, and we can see who's getting up and going, and uh, we kind of had the lanes where if they're going to uh, throw a lefty or Kikuchi, we we thought this would be be in line, and. Um, So even before the game, we talked to Willie Castro and Solano and Farmer, uh, a couple of the guys that come in against uh, the lefties. And so we were prepared and and, uh, we weren't surprised as far as uh, Barrios stuff. um, It was good. It was, you know, he was uh, obviously amped up, juiced, had adrenaline. He was throwing the ball well. But uh, to answer your question, uh, I think we were prepared. We weren't surprised or shocked.
1: You as a manager, you're in that situation. You've been through these types of meetings, do you feel like the discussion today all over the place is, oh, you know, so-and-so has too much of a say in these decisions. Do you feel like teams take away, take the decision out of Schneid's hand there and, like, kind of give him, like, well, this is the script and we have to stick to it? Um,
3: I don't know. I can't speak for, for their, you know, case. I can say I know Schneid as you do. Um, you know very well, and he's got tremendous feel for the game. Um, I know Don Mattingly well, and uh, one of the most respected men in the game. And Pete Walker obviously knows what he's doing over there. So I can't really um, you know talk about you know what 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 their approach was or anything like that. These are hard calls, and I think it's easy to second guess. It's easy to look up and like, oh, they they, they shouldn't have pulled you know Barrios, but you know what if Kepler comes up and doubles there and. And, uh, you know, we score two runs that way. Um, are you second-guessing yourself? And, you know, uh, I get it. You know, you want to see, you know, Barrios continue to go. I don't know what the right answer is. Um, we scored two runs. Uh, at the same time, we use analytics on our side, and, and we found matchups late in the game that, um, that, that we were anticipating and we were hoping to get to. And so uh, we won two to nothing. Uh, we were able to score. And our pitchers and defense did a fantastic job.
2: I'm wondering, is there a fine line, though, between that? Because if the last few years, we're hearing or just there's been four or five games that the analytical side has been creeped in, and we're talking about it like, like now. The Snell one, obviously, is the most uh, notable one. But there's so many situations where the analytics is getting talked about too much opposed to, well, the manager did that decision. He, he wanted to, that was his feel. Rather, it's like, well, it came from upstairs. Upstairs never hit a baseball. I respect that. Is there like a fine line where it's becoming too much of a story that the analytical
3: part, they're getting too much attention? Yeah, I I, um, I can only speak on what I've been a part of over here in uh, Minnesota. And so I can't speak of, of everywhere. I can say here, um, even last year, my first year coming on, I was absolutely blown away at um, uh, everything they have put on Rocco's plate, and I mean that in the in the best way. Um, the front office stays really out of it, and uh, we are provided so much information, and we talk through all scenarios before the game, and then at the end of the day, um, Rocco makes the call, and he uses his gut and he uses his, his experience, and he uses his eyes, and he uses his staff, and he uses uh, what he's seen live in the game, and he makes a call. And I think that is the healthiest way I've seen it ran, and this is the third organization I've been with, and um, I, I, I really hats off to um, the Minnesota Twins and the organization.
1: We talk so much about teams losing like a a leader catcher behind the dish. And then the next year, the team regresses. Tell us about this play that Correa made. He's not behind the dish, but supposedly Correa called this. Jeffers made the pitch come and got an enormous, maybe one of the biggest pickoffs of a base runner since I think it was Tommy Pham that got picked off at first base when he pinch ran for the For the Cardinals, I'm not sure if it was Tommy Pham or not. I think it
3: was Colton Wong, if I remember right. Colton Wong,
1: you're right. You're right, Colton Wong. It it was just
3: rookie year when he got called up, yeah.
1: Yep, and so tell us the impact of that play, but also the impact that Carlos Correa brings to this team.
3: Wow, that's a a lot to unpack. Let me first start with the play. It's a play. I think Sonny said uh, we got a guy maybe in Tampa earlier this year. I don't know. I don't know if that's that's right. It's a play we put in in spring training. And I, if we tried it seven times this year, uh, it, it sure felt like we were 0 for 7. Um, now, it was the perfect combination. Um, you know, Correa noticing these things bo- before, basically in the first and second inning, we were talking about the crowd noise. And then Sonny, uh, as good of a pitcher he is, he is unbelievable at the PFP work. He takes pride and control in the running game. He works on his picks. He's unbelievable at those, those things. And so, you know, and Vladdy's having to get off, being the tying run with um, Bichette there at the plate, who's already two for two. And so with the crowd noise, just, just them being able to signal in the play, having the freedom to signal in the play, it was an unbelievable call. And then Sonny Gray, there's very few pitchers – that when they get that call, they're going to spin. They're probably not going to throw. Sonny is bold and brave enough and just loves the moment he fired and we were able to get there, which was, I think, a huge, huge momentum play. Uh, The next series is Correa's going –
2: you guys got Houston. He's going back there where it all started. What can he bring to your team in terms of experience? Because he's been there many times, obviously with that team, but what can he bring his experience to – some of the young guys and some of the veterans that you guys do
3: have. Yeah. Um, just continuing to be himself. And what I mean by that is before we started, uh, uh, the playoffs, the first game at Toronto, I think right after our hitters meeting, Carlos kind of, you know, stood up and, and said what he needed to say, which was all about uh, playoff baseball and his experiences. And so, uh, we've got a young group and we've got some really good veteran leadership. And uh, our young guys are eager to learn. They're certainly not scared, and they're not afraid to ask questions. And our veteran group um, is uh, really a group of just loving men and teachers, and they're not afraid to share. Uh, so that's a really good combination. Carlos's experience, what he does defensively, uh, what he's doing at the plate, just his overall presence, um, I think he gives us a, a lot of confidence knowing, Uh, how many games he's played and performed uh, in the playoffs.
0: So Jace, Carlos has been on this show and spent a lot of time with us. And and I thought it was really interesting because we have, you know, more time sometimes on this show than you would say like on, on just basic TV. And he went over how in-depth his preparation research, how serious he takes the mentoring component, how much he realizes that he comes with all of this experience. And that's like part of his paycheck, which is super cool. So the next layer for me is your game planning for the Astros. Obviously, there's tons of turnover with many teams, but there are still dudes that he knows about. There's organizational strategies that he knows about. And you see this during the regular season all the time. How helpful, how you know, extra coach-ish is Carlos going to be for this series?
3: Well, I think it's Carlos who knows that organization uh, in and out as, as well as anybody that's currently outside the organization. Uh, and we also have Christian Vasquez, who caught for them down the stretch last year. So uh, we're certainly going to get their input into the game plan, and and um, yeah, and kind of go from there. So we're getting ready to get on a flight here in an hour, and that's where a lot of the the, the heavy work and the heavy lifting of the game plan game planning is going to be done over the next twenty four hours.
1: What's the one thing that you've learned since you've been over with the Twins since getting fired from the Padres? now that you're over with the twins, that you're going to take into your next managerial job, that you're like, holy cow, why did I not do
3: that when I was a manager? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing I've got going on right now. So this is um, my fourth time in the playoffs, uh, 15, 16, 20, and and now. And uh, I told Rocco and I told the staff the first three times um, I was – Focused I was laser focused. I was intense. It was I was seeing things right here, and you know what um, I Didn't enjoy it. So this run I told Rocco. I said um, We're prepared we're gonna play great ball uh, if we're loose and we're having fun and uh, One challenge I, I gave him one challenge. I gave our, our uh, coaching staff is um, Enjoy it and now I'm noticing I'm taking time. I'm looking up in the stands. I'm seeing an electric stadium. I'm seeing uh, just big moments. I'm seeing things different than when I was just so under pressure and, and, and just trying to stay in the moment. I'm enjoying it um, and and just having a hell of a time on this run.
2: I don't want to keep harping about the Padres and all that because you know it's all positive and good news is what's going on with, with the Twins right now. But, um, we've... Beat them down on this show, and just beat them down a little bit more. So, uh, like uh, their year this year, obviously not the expectations that everybody wanted. Um, do you still talk to anybody in the organization? Any you know that, that you uh, keep keep track with? And what's your thoughts on the on the Padres? Not so good. Year.
3: You know, um, I I text uh, keep keep in contact with you know some of the players. Uh, certainly when they're hitting uh, accomplish, accomplishments in the game. We're uh, signing contracts, anything like that. I'm, I reached out, but to be honest with you, you know, us being in the American league and the American league central um, I've really just kind of stayed focused on, on everything going on over here and truly enjoying my time over here.
0: Chase. Um, all right. So let's swing it back to the twin series for a second here. Um, first off, in that last round, is there anyone else that kind of stood out to you that was soaking in the moment? Because you still have a young team and many guys that weren't making the postseason, where you know you can be an impact. Like, can you take us inside any types of conversations leading up to this? I, I know sometimes people, uh, baseball fans, almost like get the football brain where it's like there's just big speeches going on all the time, and we know in baseball that's not really how it works. So those little One-on-one combos are often the ones that can make a really big difference, especially for a young guy, right? Yeah, a
3: a lot of our guys, it's been training throughout the year. It's not like, okay, now we've got to do something. It's been, gentlemen, we're going to do exactly what we've been doing, um, you know, basically since the start of the second half. We're going to plan the same. We're going to prepare the same. We're going to... Uh, enjoy one another, we're going to continue to have fun, we're going to be in an environment where it's okay to be aggressive and make mistakes, and we're going to be loose and have fun. And what happens from there is going to happen. Um, and I think with that mindset, I think we played really solid baseball just on the fact that we're loose, we're drawing off a ton of energy, everything's so magnified in the playoffs, and the guys are, honestly, they're ha- they're having some of the funnest times playing this beautiful sport of baseball than they've ever had in their life.
2: How hard was it? Or it what kind? Of, what went into the decision? You don't have to give the extreme details of it, but what went into the decision and very tough decision of not having Brian Buxton on the playoff roster, a franchise player, um, a fan favorite, obviously he's battled some, some, some uh, unfortunate injuries throughout his career, but how hard was that to not have him out there? Because we all know he's such an impactful player when he's in that,
3: on, on that roster. It's, it's, it, it's crushing to see, uh, what, what the people you know watching this show don't understand is all the time and effort. He's sinking in to get healthy and get going. To answer your question, he had a minor setback as he was taking some batting practice and shagging. Um, and so that ended up, unfortunately, making the decision fairly easy. Uh, he's back and working again. And uh, um, I know it's bittersweet for him uh, to, to see... Just the weight lifted off uh, the team and certainly his shoulders with the um, playoff win and the series win. But also it's heartbreaking because he would do anything, give anything to be out there with his team.
1: Another strength of your team that I think America needs to figure out if they didn't know because pretty much only baseball fans and Twins fans know of the strength. I mean, seriously? Like you call that bullpen and you're like, yeah, uh, Whatever, you just get up whoever, because they're all going to throw 99, except for except for Caleb, field bar's throwing just poo ball, poo ball 95 up there from the left side. like You guys have an unbelievable bullpen, and I feel like people do not understand it. What's it like to have that constantly
3: just on the reg? Kratz, I wish you wouldn't talk about it, because I feel like it's a uh... – uh, it's a secret weapon and you're right people don't talk about it I think just in general I think there's a lot of power arms in the games but you look at what our bullpen has done um, not just as of late but really all throughout the year it feels like a lot of people don't know exactly who you know Duran and Jax and Brock Stewart and and, and, and Theo and I'm missing guys Pagan's had a phenomenal year and uh, we feel like we got some real weapons down there and uh, they've been good for us all year and uh, I totally agree with your point. I don't think a lot of people uh, know about him.
1: All right, one thing we need to know, though. Gosman, the other day, the two homers, was he tipping?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't tipping. Uh, I mean, like, we we Jace. have one guy hit two homers. Jace, yes. we are friends. Yes, he was tipping that he was going to throw a 97-mile-an-hour <laughs> fastball on the inside Part line and Royce knew it. Opened the hips and went. Yep. Thank
1: you, thank you, Jace, for making for making a mockery of something that people were saying. And we can't like the next day. We were talking about it on the show, and it was like, uh, seriously, like he was people tipping. were saying that uh, on the broadcast. You don't hear the broadcast because you're in the game, like unless yeah. you're a big ESPN in the ear guy. But <laughs> like they were saying that. Like I'm like, are really? you kidding me? Like. They have two hits. If a big league team, I don't care if it's the worst big league team. If a guy is tipping and they know what's coming, it's not
3: going to be two dingers. It's going to be rockets all over the ballpark. Did he stop tipping the inning? He struck out the side. Did he clean it up? (laughs) Yeah, he figured it out. It was
2: here
1: or here. You know, you know who said he was tipping? It was the mate,
3: Paul Elliott. (laughs) Paul Elliott. Big shout out. (laughs) Inside that, joke.
0: That's part of why we do this show, though. Like, you know, you hear that on a broadcast if you're a fan or you're just catching playoff baseball for the first time. And it's like, oh, well, now I know, you know, the, the, t- the Twins clearly can't have a player that hits two home runs. I mean, they clearly knew something.
3: We, we only told Royce. that was That was part <laughs> of the deal. The other eight guys were like, no. I felt I like that's how it was. I felt like that's
1: how it was when I played. Like, I'd watch, like, the superstars, like, Jonesy play, and I was like, yeah. man, they know what pitches are coming. Why don't they yeah. ever tell me? Those Oriole <laughs> teams only told Adam. That was it. That was yep, it. <laughs> that was it, especially on the first pitch of an at-bat. They exactly. o- he always knew what was coming. <laughs> or when That's he was it. always swinging, whichever it was.
0: <laughs> That's good. Good way to finish. Hey, Jace, awesome to have you on here for the first time. Really appreciate it. Love the combo, and keep doing your thing. We're watching. Good luck.
1: All right. Thanks for having me. See you Jace. Guys. Hey, Jace! Before you yeah. go, sorry. Good luck in your last year with Minnesota. Whenever you get one of the managerial <laughs> openings, so. no chances, buddy. Hey, <laughs> and if you, hey, and if there's a fight, don't go running out. Just jog. We can't be oh, blown out. No hammy. Don't show that
3: hammy video, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The, the Bautista, the Bautista, and Rugi, man. My hamstring's still
3: messed up today, man. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Good to see you, Jason. (laughs) All right. Good seeing you. You guys be good.
0: Okay, Kratz. We see what you're wearing today, dude.
3: Oh, this? Yeah. Oh, this little thing?
0: Little Philly shirt. So your former squad showed up and really didn't make it close. And the Bryson Stott story was really cool, hitting the granny. And this was a Marlins team that had a really fun year, but they were outmatched.
1: Definitely outmatched. I mean, they beat him in the season series, but you saw a different level. You saw the fact that the the Phillies, yeah, I think you know it was Bumgarner had some Alec Baum had some big hits. He he actually should have had another RBI, but Schwarber didn't score on his supposed sack fly. But you saw their lineup get stretched, and they're going to run into a really really good offense with the Braves. Everybody knows that. But this is why I think a lot of people are thinking the Phillies are the third best team. Yes, they're ranked third in the National League. But they stretched their lineup. Rojas in the, in the I think he was hitting ninth. And Pache was hitting, Christian Pache was hitting eighth. These guys were either putting up good at bats, getting outs, getting big hits. And they didn't even have Brandon Marshall in the field, one of their better left-handed hitters. Jake Cave has had some huge at-bats for him. Another guy that was on the bench. So this team's length in their lineup is really big, but I think the linchpin of it all, if they continue to stretch this lineup out, is JT Real Muto going two for his first two in his first two at-bats with a double and a homer, and that just demoralizes teams. Not, Not his hits, but the fact that, a guy that good can be that deep in a lineup. You're just sitting there going, ah, man, I just can't do anything. And the Marlins were up against it yesterday and they had no answers on the offensive
0: side. And Nola Wheeler won too, or Wheeler-Nola technically. Oh. That doesn't hurt. I also do think, I mean, I know the bullpen has, as usual, any bullpen going to go through some ups and downs. There were some guys late in the season that struggled a little bit. But stuff-wise... Jonesy, this bullpen is as elite as it gets. I'm talking about stuff. Guys are going to get hot and cold. Alvarado's been like one of the kings of hot and cold for a while now in the sport. But when those guys are firing the right way, I mean, you can carry a hot bullpen late in the game, too. That's my thing is now we've got the big boys. This is the series that's going to get a ton of eyeballs. It's Braves-Phillies, just like last year, NLDS. Braves got upset. They were the best team in baseball this year. How does that look this time around? The reason that I picked the Phillies to win the World Series is because I feel like the bullpen's are close enough. I feel like the Braves have the lineup advantage, but the Phillies lineup, like Kratzy said, is pretty damn good. And then starting pitching wise, at least for now, I'm taking Wheeler Nola one and two. And even, you know, on the three side of things, like they don't have Charlie Moore in right now. So I actually do think the Phillies have the starting pitching edge. Freed, you know, I know he pitched the other day and whatever their their fake games that they did at the ballpark, but this is going to be a ridiculous series. I would be surprised if we've got like a sweep going on either way. I
2: think this is going to be come down to a bullpen, to the bullpens. You know, Sir Anthony, you got Alvarado, Kimbrell. Um I think it's going to come down to the bullpens because both lineups, like you said, they just do damage. It doesn't matter who's pitching. They're going to make each other work. Spr- Strider strikes out a lot of people, but they're going to make him throw 115 pitches. If he going to get his strikeouts, but they're going to make him work. So, I just think it's going to boil down to the bullpens. You know, both offenses have been terrific since August first, my birthday, and you know, I think this is a ber- great birthday present for me that they've just been swinging the bat like we always do. But I just think they're going to wear each other out, and and with the rivalry that they've had really over the last two years, they hate each other, and that's back to what playoff baseball is about. You got Philly and Atlanta, two cities that don't like each other, and that's great. It's going to be good. I think this is that is going to be. You're talking about, you know, marketing and all that kind of stuff. I think that is going to be the best series when it comes to that and maybe the most watched because you have two really big juggernaut markets and two fantastic teams. So I just think I think that's going to boil down to the bullpen. And it's, it's, you know, I've seen, I see everything being hopefully not an analytical decision uh, late in the game
0: and, and a real managerial decision, because two great managers. And John D this is your first stop with us this week on the show. So Przinski, a couple times this week was like, I don't want to hear the bullshit about a team that has to sit for whatever amount of days, what a week. Because also now, the narrative for the Phillies, like, they have a few days that they're sitting too, you know? So, um, do you feel the same way? Like, if you had breaks, did it really affect you if you felt like things were going right? Like, if the Braves score, you know what's going to happen. If the Braves only score, like, one to three runs in game one, people are going to be, see? They had too long of a layoff, and it's a disadvantage for the teams that win the division.
2: It's not, man. It, you, you, you. Actually, you need that rest. Those guys need. They're banged up like everybody else. Um, you know, the teams that play in the wild card, they're running on adrenaline. Everybody is. You're at this point. You're running on pure adrenaline. Everybody's elbow, back, knee, calf, toes. Everything is hurting on somebody. And this is the time where it's like, okay, you got to suck it up. That old, that old saying. And you, this is when you really, really. Um, gotta suck it up I was watching the game here with the Brewers in Diamondbacks last night Moreno got hit by a backswing end up coming out I don't know if he's under concussion protocol the fans are like uh oh, just suck it up there you don't suck that up but with the, with the uh, with, with how it's going now you're gonna figure it out um, I think the, the Phillies having two days off is really good for them because they just they riding a high and okay let's let's get to Atlanta let's, let's get get our breath and the second that uh, the Braves, Lineup struggles, especially if they go through twice and they got two hits and they're some dinkers or something like that. They're going to be questioning, like, "Oh, was this layoff long enough?" When the answer is, we know that it's not because these guys still had simulated uh, games. You can't simulate the actual game, but you can simulate the physical, the physical action, and they were doing that. So I think them, the Dodgers, the Orioles, and the Astros, I think they're they're going to be ready and poised to open up.
1: I think Jonesy would agree with me, and I'll make it quick, but. At the end of your playoff month, you are exhausted. So the whole wildcard guys going on adrenaline or you know sitting around for the ALDS, you are exhausted because you are just so mentally focused and physically drained from the season. You need to sleep like 3 or 4 days at the end of the season, mm-hmm. end of the off season.
0: Let's slap hands. <laughs> Damn time. <laughs> uh, name, favorite ball club, question or comment for the crew. That is the big All right,
3: question. guys. Uh, there you go. from Columbus, Indiana. Favorite ball club is the Pittsburgh Pirates because Indianapolis Indians right there with me. Um, my question is, should the MLB follow suit with, like, the NBA and the NFL and go to the lowest seed remaining format? when the division series starts, like the Braves have to play the number four Phillies while the
0: number two Dodgers have to play the number six diamondbacks. Great question. Gabe. Right. appreciate that. Um, let's go to our league rep first. Cause Adam, this is true. <laughs> you hear this from the players. I've, I've heard this the last couple of years. They're like, hold up, right? I'm Atlanta. And obviously the players have to put it in their brain that like, whatever, we're the best team. Like we can take anyone down, got to get there anyway, but having an easier path does make a difference. And I think most people would agree that the Phillies look like a more intimidating, better built ball club this year than the Diamondbacks. And it's like, well, why did the Dodgers get to play them? Just because we wanted to look cute on a playoff bracket. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little undecided because I do like the bracket format, but it does kind of screw things up and punish the team that finished with the best record in the national league right now. Yeah. Well, the first,
2: the, Talks a couple years ago when they started to go to format was that the number one seed would get to pick who he wanted to face. And you, you know, now you look at it. Now you're actually looking at the series logistically, you know, Arizona and uh, L.A. is so close. Atlanta and Philly is so close to have them both fly across. Again, you're flying charter. I wouldn't really care if what they have to do with that. But it is a little, a little weird when you see a one facing a four, the the lowest remaining seed. He should, they should be facing the top seed, in my opinion. And you know, I'll, I'll uh, bring this up to Mr. Manfred during our meetings. I might
0: get slapped, but uh, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's worth a shot. I don't think you're getting slapped, man. You're pretty damn strong, and you're actually taller, it's probably false. than most people think. Boss, so. man, hey, It's boss. It's boss. It's it's I think he'll four. listen. Big.
1: <laughs> I need to see that video. I need you to put your phone out, and I need you to have it in your pocket. And I need you to be like, hey, what do you call him? You call him Roberto? Or what do you call him? Bob?
0: Hey, Bob. Mr. The man. Mr. Manfred. Mister. Mister Manfred. <laughs> Mr. Manfred. Mr. Manfred. I, I think it's a claim worth hearing though, Kratz from, totally. from the league to consider, especially if the Braves do get bounced. You are gonna hear that. They're gonna and yeah. like let's say the Dodgers sweep the D-backs and the Braves get bounced by the Phils. Atlanta's gonna be like, okay. We just did that in the regular season, and we had to deal with the second-best team in our minds in the National League for the DS instead of the CS. Because also keep in mind, this is a shorter series, DS versus CS. That makes a difference, too.
1: It does. And, and I think the whole collective bargaining and competitive balance stuff, we want competitiveness. And if you want to make the regular season matter, to me, I think you need to change this. I actually, This was the first note I wrote today when i was just watching some of the some of the games from last night the Braves should be playing the Diamondbacks you want to make the the regular season competitive all the way down the stretch that number 1 seed is super important that number 2 seed is super important cuz you get to play the team that's the most tired the most you know who didn't do the best now the Braves are kind of getting the short end of the stick on this one because they should be facing the Diamondbacks so Make sure you tell Bob, and have your camera on, have your phone on <laughs> when he slaps you for bringing anything up, and then we'll still we'll still invite you back to foul territory after. But you no, fired. to that though, that makes total sense. Is that like the
2: diamond like the Diamondbacks Brewer series? Every series knew where they would the winner. They knew where they were going. The the crazy part would be like if. The Brewers win. Okay, they go this way. If the Diamondbacks win, they change their flights. So that's when they tell you, "Hey, we're going on the playoffs. Pack a big suitcase, because you don't know where we're going to be. You don't know how long we're going to be." And and how it was a couple of years ago, Diamondbacks would, would be going down to Atlanta, and Philly would have to take the far the far flight. Mm-hmm. So that's those are those those are very good points. And you know that's when the travel secretary really comes in. is like, but <laughs> I talked to Roger Riley yesterday, and he, they already knew. Like, we win. All right, we're going to L.A. No, nothing about it opposed to if we win well we got to watch the Phillies Marlins we got to see what they're doing to, to know where we're actually going some people be sitting on the tarmac not knowing where they're going
0: yeah and that is a good call I know logistically that can get messy and these are real human beings but at the same time I'm like it's playoffs like whatever you I'm wait charging. on the tarmac that's like a cool story you're sitting there and you're like all right fuck it we're going Drink to LA too. Going you're, to
1: you're sitting on the tarmac and you're you're still drinking champagne you're still whatever because you're celebrating
0: yep that's good a good call. flight. Good call. Kratz. Hats, what do you got? Oh, Amp, at Foul Territory, if you want to be part of the conversation. We do it at the last, you know, 5, 10 minutes of the show. Obviously, we went a little longer today because we had our boy Yarborough going strong at Kratz. Kratz, what's on your head? Columbus
1: Clippers, ringing your bells. I can't believe I found another Columbus Clippers hat. This is our alternate BP hat. It's a big, league place there. But Gabe brought up Indianapolis Indians. Played there for two years, Gabe. Appreciation station.
0: There you go. And uh, just for everyone to know, for Friday's show, Ken Rosenthal joining us. Junior. Junior. Right. Not that junior, though. But, yeah, Ken Rosenthal. Trevor May um, of the Oakland A's, uh, a social media superstar. We'll have a lot of thoughts And everything coming up and the Arizona Fall League's kicking off. So Jackson Job, one of the top prospects in the sport, he's in the Tigers system. He can freaking play ball. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get to know him and many other Arizona Fall League uh, players throughout the next month too. So uh, Jonesy, have fun, dude. I don't don't know if we're seeing you um, until after you get a little Baltimore action, right? Yeah. I'm going to make it work. Me and Mark on the
2: call back and forth. I'll make it work.
0: Okay, good, good. We want you on. We, we need <laughs> live reports from Baltimore, please. Okay? We'll get you we'll get some, you some better
1: Wi Fi. <laughs> oh, uh, Baltimore, I'll
2: get Wi Fi. I know where some good Wi Fi is in Baltimore. I'm Nope, oh. come on. start.
0: Baltimore, good Wi Fi, crab fries, and maybe some dubs for your O's. So we'll see you on the. cake egg rolls. cake egg rolls. Oh. Mail one to Kratzy. Good luck. Have fun out there, dude. we Will do. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLING.